We are in Yevamos Chavtesam Beis 29b2. The Gemara is continuing with the discussion of Beishamai and Mamar, but it's an interesting discussion that will lead to distinct differences between halachic engagement and halachic marriage, and the impact that it has on Mamar. Is Mamar viewed as a halachic engagement? Is it viewed as a halachic marriage? And so, just by way of introduction, uh, to discuss what exactly is a halachic engagement and a halachic marriage, and how does Mamar fit in. Uh, so, uh, Mamar, again, is this, uh, according to Beishamai, it could even be on a biblical level, according to many. Uh, and uh, the way it works is that in a situation where there's a potential for Yibam, the sister-in-law is uh, the, the husband, uh, your brother, the, the husband of the sister-in-law passes away without any children, and then there's a potential for Yibam. So instead of having uh, doing Yibam, which is marital relations, so instead of that, they do Mamar, which is an engagement. It's viewed as another form of engagement where outside the context of Yibam, it would be a valid form of a halachic engagement, which we will explain in a minute what exactly you have to do. Uh, but if you did that for Ma'amar, the Gemara is going to ask, well, does that work as a halachic engagement or a halachic marriage? Even though in general it's just that act itself is a halachic engagement, maybe in the context of Yibam, it would be viewed as a halachic marriage. And so, to explain what exactly is the difference, what takes place, what's different between a halachic engagement and a halachic marriage, for a halachic engagement to occur, you need to do one of... Any one of three things. Either you have marital relations, bia, which is essentially what yibam is, but in the context of yibam, it's not just an engagement, but it's a complete marriage, uh, because there's already that zika, there's already that bond, or there's already some sort of connection to, uh, she has a connection already to your brother, uh, the sister-in-law. Uh, so yibam accomplishes everything, uh, and that is bia, that is marital relations. But there's also two other ways to have, be halakhically engaged. Again, outside the context of yibam, just a regular halakhic engagement, and that's what we do today. Uh, we have a halachic engagement, uh, but that takes place um, before today. It takes place a few minutes before the halachic marriage. Uh, back in the days of the Talmud, as we mentioned in previous recordings, there could be a year apart between the halachic engagement and the halachic marriage. But for a halachic engagement to take, take place, besides for having marital relations, and two other ways to accomplish that is through kesef and shtar. It's by giving money, and today the way we accomplish that is by giving a ring. So the giving of the ring in front of two witnesses... Uh, so that itself is the halachic engagement, um, or through a shtar, or through a uh, a document, uh, a marriage document, which the husband gives the wife, and that would also work for a halachic engagement. Uh, today we give a ring, as we mentioned before, we give a ring. That is the halachic engagement. What is the halachic marriage? The halachic marriage is when they are under the same roof, and that is essentially what the chuppah represents. The chuppah, having a chuppah, is that he is bringing the kala. The bride into his home and bringing, him into, bringing her into his home is the halachic marriage. And so when they have a chuppah, when they have yichud after chuppah, when they're, they're in the yichud room, they are uh, by themselves secluded in their own room. So then that, that itself is the halachic marriage. So we have a halachic engagement and a halachic marriage. So kesav shtarubiya, giving a ring, money. Uh, or a marriage document, or marital relations. Those are three w- different ways to accomplish a halachic engagement. Yibum is one of those three ways. But Yibum is very different because in that context, there's already a connection, and Yibum accomplishes everything. Once you do Yibum, once you have marital relations, it's a complete marriage. It's, a, it's not just an engagement, but it's a halachic marriage. So the question that the Gemara is going to have now is, well, what about the context of Mamar? Mamar is where you give a ring or you give a marriage document to the sister-in-law. So the question is, according to Beishamah, who says Maimar accomplishes a lot more than Beishillel, it could be even on a biblical level, 
uh, even if it's not on a, it could be, according to many, it's on a biblical level, even if it's on a rabbinic level, but it accomplishes a lot more. Um, so, does it turn into a, a halachic engagement, which is what it would do outside the context of Yibam, or do we say that no? It's really a halachic marriage, just like Yibam, which only works in outside the context of Yibam, that would only create a halachic engagement, but in the context of Yibam, to your sister-in-law, it creates a complete marriage. So then maybe so too, when you give a ring or a marriage document to the sister-in-law, that would also have implications and ramifications on a marriage level, that halachically they're viewed as married. And that is the question of the Gemara. Bayi Rabba. Maimar le nisun osa o erusun osa. Rabba asks, Maimar, does that create, to do, for the sister-in-law to give a ring or to give a marriage document, does that have ramifications on a halachically as a view that they're engaged or married? So Amar le'abaye, Abaye says back, what, with regards to which halacha are you talking about? Uh, which ramification, practical ramification are you discussing? And so he's going to explain that uh, there are, he's going to describe three differences between a halachic engagement and a halachic marriage. And so we'll say it outside and then we'll see it inside. The three differences are that he's going to describe are uh, with regards to the laws of inheritance, that only once you're halachically married, when you're actually living together, so then the, they could, they inherit from one another uh, after one passes away. If they're just halachically engaged, they're not living uh, together, so then they would not inherit from one another. That's ramification number one. Ramification number two, we say that a Kohen, a Kohen is not allowed to go to a funeral. He's not allowed to become impure to, with regards to the contact of a dead body. So he's not allowed to go to a funeral. However, he's allowed to go with regards to his immediate family. He's allowed to go to the funeral of his immediate family. And the question is, could he go to the funeral of his wife? Well, if it's halakhically married, so then he could go. If they are just halakhically engaged uh, and they're not living together, so then, then um, they cannot go, he cannot go to the funeral of his wife. Now, with regards to the other way around, it's not as simple because uh, if, if the wife of a Kohen, even though she's viewed as a Kohen, uh, she's not, the, with regards to the laws of impurity, she does not have those laws of impurity where she's not allowed to become impure and she's not allowed to be coming uh, in contact with a dead body. So she's always allowed to go. Uh, women who are Kohanim, uh, part, of the, part of the Kohanim, they are allowed to go to a cemetery. So when it comes the other way, the question is just, is there an obligation for them to go to the funeral? If it's an immediate relative, they have an obligation to be involved in the preparation of the funeral and to go to the funeral. So the question is, does, does she have that obligation when she's engaged? When she's engaged, she's, the answer is she does not have that obligation. When she's halakhically married, so then she would have that obligation. So that is ramification number two. And finally, ramification number three is with regards to nidharm, with regards to vows and oaths and annulling, annulling an oath. If she takes an oath... If they're married and it impacts the family, so then the husband has the right to annul an oath. However, if they're only halakhically engaged, so then we say that because she's connected to her husband and because they're engaged, and she's also connected to her father, she lives in her parents' home. So we say that in order to annul, annul an oath that she takes, so then we require both the husband and the father to annul it in order for that to be viewed as, as annulled. Otherwise, if one of the two do not, so then the the oath is kept. And so that is a third ramification. And so Abaye says, What halacha are you referring to? With regards to mamar, do we view it as engaged or married? If it's with regards to these three things, with regards to inheritance, the laws of inheritance, the laws of requiring to go to a funeral, the laws of annulling a vow or an oath, 
so if it regards to these three things, and the question is, could the husband do this after doing mamar? Could the brother-in-law do this to the sister-in-law? Could he? Does he inherit? Does he? Could he have an obligation to go to the funeral? Uh, could he annul an oath? So the Gemara says, I don't understand. It describes all the differences. The Gemara describes all the differences that we mentioned before uh, with regards to uh, engagement and marriage. Uh, so the Gemara says, I don't understand. When you're engaged, you're not allowed. None of these apply. Only when you're married do they apply. And so then, Mamar Mibai. Mamar, he says, I don't understand what the question is. Mamar is either, some say, is on a rabbinic level, so then certainly these don't apply. But we mentioned that many say that it, this even works on a biblical level, according to Be'i Shammai. But, at the, but still, Mamar, explains Tosos, is it's all, all the laws of Mamar come from engagement. So how would you even say that it's like you're actually married? It, all the laws, they stem from a regular engagement. So just like by a regular engagement, none of these laws would apply. Inheritance wouldn't apply. Obligation to go to a funeral wouldn't apply. Um, annulling an oath... Uh, would not apply. Uh, so then why would you think differently here? So then so too over here. Mamar is learned out from a regular case of engagement. And so then so too, for all these cases, we would have to say that none of this applies. Why would you think differently? So the Gemara rather says, no. So the Gemara basically backtracks a little bit and says it's true. Fine. With regards to the laws of engagement versus marriage, the laws of engagement apply. The ramifications of engagement apply, and therefore she doesn't. Uh, he does not inherit. Uh, doesn't get the Yerusha if she were to pass away, and he does not. He's not allowed to go to the funeral if he's a Kohen, and he's not allowed to annul an oath on his own. They're viewed as halakhically engaged. So, what was the question? The question was, well, okay, uh, but still, do we say that this requires a mesira lechupa? It has to do with the chupa, the final act of creating a halachic marriage. Essentially, the question is, in general, in order to have a halakhic marriage, it requires the consent of both parties. Both parties have to agree uh, to the marriage. Uh, even right, even after they're halakhically engaged, in order to go into one home, uh, to have the chuppah, that requires consent. And the question they're now asking is, after you do maimar, so then do we require consent? In order for them to complete this through yibum, through marital relations, do we require her consent? Um, and as we've seen in the past, and the Gemara is about to mention, when it comes to regular Yibam, we do not require her consent. Uh, and not, not to, again, to repeat that which we've mentioned in the past, this doesn't mean that we recommend doing Yibam uh, against her will and to have sexual relations with her against her will. That's not what we are recommending. But in, And we, we would be against that. But in the end of the day, would it be viewed as a, as, as, as a legal as, as though they are married, the answer is yes. They would be viewed as, the, as, as though they are married. And we've explained in the past that the, the reason behind this seems to be that they already have such a strong connection. They have that Zika connection already. They're already almost completely there. And so it just requires one act, even if it's against her will, but they already have that bond. That bond has already been created through the Zika. And so even if you have Duyibam against her will, so then uh, that, would, that would work. Not that we recommend it, but that it would... Work and so the question essentially is of our Gemara is what happens if you did mamar? You did mamar already according to Beis Shammai. So you're, you've done even more than just zika. You did mamar. You gave her a ring or you gave a marriage document, and now 
you're halachically engaged. Now the question is, do you need her consent to just finish it off, to, 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 to complete the process? Do you require her consent her consent or not? And that's the question of the Gemara. So the Gemara asks, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, so then, they say, I don't understand. In a regular case of Yibam, even if you didn't do Maimar, it works against her will. You do not need her consent. And it does work, as we mentioned a minute ago. So if you did Mamar, well, how would that possibly change anything? Even if you did Mamar, if, if you did Mamar, then you're going to do Yibam. You're going to have uh, marital relations. So then it should still, still work against her consent. Why would you think that you would need her consent? By Yibam, we, we already know that you don't need her consent. So the Gemara answers, no. So the Gemara explains, this is what our question was. Our question is, do we say that it's similar to Yibam and therefore it works against her will? Or do we say as follows, a very interesting idea, that you should do, if you do Mamar, if you do this uh, engagement of giving a ring or of giving a, a, a marriage document, so do we say that this is now a new track? This is a totally new track. This is not following the regular track of Yibam. What Yibam is by just the very is by having marital relations, not by not by giving a ring or a document. But let's say instead you didn't do that, but you gave a ring or you gave a document. Do we say that this has now left the realm of regular Yibam, and now we are in the in the parsha, as we say, in the context of of engagement? It's a halachic engagement. They got they're halachically engaged now. But now that they are viewed as halachically engaged as a second track outside the context of Yibam, so then in a regular halachic engagement, in order to be married, you need her consent. So maybe we've shifted tracks and that originally she was on the Yibam track. Now that you got halachically engaged, this is the open question. Do we say now that she has left that track and now she's on the engagement track? If she's on the engagement track, so then in order to get married, you need her consent. For every marriage, you need consent of both parties. And so maybe you do need her consent after you do Mamar. And that is the question of the Gemara. So the, the question, we will leave, we'll end now with uh, the question. We'll not answer the question. In the next recording, the rest of the Gemara on this uh, page will uh, give the answer to this question. So we're left with the question of after a person does Mamar, do we say that they remain on the track of Yibam and therefore you could complete it even against her will? Or do we say that no, once you do Mamar, this halakhic engagement through a ring or through a marriage document that we say that uh, we're now in a new track here of, of leading to a regular marriage, which requires uh, both parties' consent.